Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. This week, we are continuing our King Killer Chronicle adventures. And since we've got nothing more to announce, let's get right to the show. You got into this town and the meta note that I got from everyone is that there was just a real Scooby-Doo vibe about the whole situation. Uh, So I have listened to you somewhat and, uh, you know, we'll we'll see about your Scooby-Doo mysteries. I have some things prepared, but I am mostly going to be following uh, your feet on this one and and the plot on this one and seeing where you all go. Uh, You had done such a wonderful job of establishing characters who really cared about each other and were facing big questions of their lives. And you did a really good job setting up people who needed a good vacation and might benefit from a little bit of personal discovery while abroad. So... I am looking forward to that. Are there any other uh, notes, things that people wanted to pepper in, things that maybe I've overlooked? Terrence? Terrence, yes. Ter- how, I've ever how? Seen. Biggest horse. Biggest horse you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we need to remember that Terrence is there and mm-hmm. that in all likelihood, Terrence is a very hungry horse. Uh, mm. but probably a bit of a coward as well, <laughs> vis-a-vis the monsters and ghosts department. And, mm. you know, we'll just let that develop organically. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I think I was injured. Oh, yeah. Where I had, I think, maybe pulled something. Like, I wasn't stabbed or anything, but, like, I sort of had to like hold the mill during wheel. the engine. Oh, that was yeah. that was a mess issue. <laughs> yeah, you were holding back against a machine. So I think currently your top prowess is is lower by one until you do something to really treat that, like get get some medical level TLC or just give it time. Uh, you're going to be dealing with that injury as an ongoing factor and I'll be using it to make your lives a little bit more complicated. I can't remember if we really nailed it down. <sighs> like it wasn't like I dislocated my shoulder. It was more like I, I think you tore something like a, like a muscle of something like it. it it's probably in the moment after the, the thing doesn't feel too bad, but it, it's going to get angry like <laughs> Oh, actually, how about this? Something hurts and we don't know what it is because <laughs> that's not how the world works. Like it, it it's some it's here and there's pain, but I haven't been to a doctor yet. Yeah. Uh, there there are demons who have infested your humors <laughs> and only only prayer at the church and a sizable contribution to the local <laughs> church will. I had thought that I had maybe brought like a really bad horse. Like my version of what was Don Quixote's horse, uh, Rosin Yanta, which was a funny joke in Spanish because it effectively 
it translated as glue. Uh, it was supposed to be his noble steed. And like Vali, of course, is like, well, of course I have a host, a horse because I'm a noble and I need to have a horse to go have adventures. But it is it is not a great horse. So I, I don't remember you bringing a horse. I remember uh, that, thinking about that, but I don't <laughs> think I don't think I said it. Yeah, uh, I had the name Schmid on my notes. Schmid uh, would be the Schmid. saddest name for a bad horse. Schmid <laughs> is I don't know who Schmid was. What we called the captain of the boat no, no, no that, that wasn't was Spectre. captain specter never mind what was his voice like again i can't quite it was yeah, just was it? spit Can you from remind skyjacks me? i know i was just trying to get you to do oh. it <laughs> <laughs> there'll be plenty of time for that we can we can create a lot of captain specter content absolutely not, uh, absolutely to, not. To, <laughs> to punish liz for her various crimes uh great had had we sort of pitched to the crew of the ship, like you can stay here and like hang out and have a vacation in this posh town at this manor. Yeah, I feel like I, don't think so. I, I think feel like so. we had kind of because we didn't want them to sail off and like we're stranded here. Yeah, yeah the subtext of uh, that they are going to run with, I can let you know as players, is that they are going to follow you up to that manor house. Pretty shortly after you get off the boat, you you might have been like, ah, you'll sleep on the boat. And I think there was even a little bit of argument about that. And uh, Captain Spectre and his men were like, oh, yeah, totally. We understand. And they did not understand. <laughs> They're going to be following you there. Uh, but OK, cool. I'm blonde. <laughs> I just remember. Is blonde. <laughs> I'm blonde. And also I'm very optimistic i think and i think i remember me now <laughs> yeah yeah Yay! yeah uh, you a very important note satine is that when your character got stressed out she would talk oh yeah no everything's fine <laughs> do you talk? i do remember that now <laughs> that, that yeah. is deeply important I'm wearing a safari outfit too because we're on an adventure. Really? That's right. You had you brought <laughs> no you brought several trunks. Yeah, and, costumes. Oh, and we found a porter who is just like apparently the local drunk. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty. Well, sure that's who Hennessy is. Yeah, okay, I forgot I too. Have it circled and underlined. I figured they were important because but I didn't know who they were. Yeah. Because I remember nothing about Hennessy. I cannot <laughs> say like, mumbling a lot. And we couldn't make out what he was saying. <laughs> I would like to pitch Hennessy as Senior Cart Gauge from Homestar Runner. G- great, <laughs> great. I'm, I'm happy to move your bags, Thumbonina. <laughs> um, we we join our group of hardy adventurers, students of the university, on the winding and degraded path that leads up to the manor house that sits above in this intimidating picture, Oak Marrow Creek. There is this winding path that moves up this kind of sod-covered rolling hill with long grass uh, that starts to fade and get more wild as you reach higher and higher on this hillside. And it actually gives you a pretty good view of Oak Marrow Creek. And you had already seen kind of firsthand that there are a lot of buildings down here that looked like at one time they were very nice and kind of 
become faded and shabby with chipped paint and dry rot, where there are some buildings here that look like they have been completely abandoned and others uh, that look like they are nice, but just not tended to. It is an odd mix that you see looking down over the town and seeing the different types of rooftop that there are. You can see some new glazed ceramic tiling on some roofs and some other more traditional thatch uh, that has dried and withered to a gray. It is a patchwork town that basically looks like it was built out of different towns that are at different levels of economic prosperity. You really can appreciate the lack of economic prosperity here as you hear and feel the persistent squeak of the wheels on this cart that is pulling you and the consistent bump as one of the wheels is very badly in need of repair and has not had anyone see to it in quite a long time. This bumping and thumping sends the many bags that you have arrived with thudding into those of you who are actually able to fit onto the cart. Some of you will simply be forced to walk alongside it and appreciate how wet and muddy the pathway seems, (laughs) despite the fact that it hasn't rained recently and shouldn't that water be going downhill? How can it possibly be getting more wet the higher we go? There's a lot that doesn't make sense about this. And you wish that you were getting clarifying information uh, from Hennessy, the porter who has been assigned to port you up to the manor house. But he has been giving a droning and incomprehensible tour of this town. And here we have the murders that took place. Uh, Oh, that's the other thing about this place, (laughs) y'all. I forgot. Marjorie's ghost tours? There are ghost tours. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't forget and I was going to bring it up. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, B. Is this a ghost tour? tour. Uh, Marjorie's ghost tours. This isn't a ghost tour tour your driver and even if it is you probably aren't able to conceive of it as a ghost tour as your driver is kind of just talking about murder every other couple words under his breath and you've widened your eyes and mouthed words to each other uh several times through this uh as you've drawn closer and closer to the manor Uh, I, i want to know because i think it will be a good check on how our characters are doing and what their general personalities are like. How are you ascending this hilltop? Who is on the cart? Who is off the cart? And what is your current emotional state? (laughs) Chet was originally riding Terrence, but Terrence got scared. And so Chet is now carrying Terrence (laughs) and shaking like a little baby. Walking alongside the car, just being like, no, it's it's all right, buddy. It's all right. It's just a little scary. But, you know, it's not real. It's not real. It's not real unless you think it is. Okay, buddy. No matter no matter what is true, this is what everyone in the group remembers. <laughs> I am not on the cart. I'm more than happy to, to walk. However, like my side has been hurt, that doesn't affect my ability to just sort of like walk at the speed of a cart up a hill. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I will say, I'm curious, uh, you say it's sort of a patchwork town. Is this like originally there was the the manor and then there's the little bit of the town that were originally, those are the outbuildings for like the back in the day. These are like the the feudal people that take care of this this manor lifestyle and then the town sort of built up around that as the manor declined the town expanded so what what it is is this town has always kind of been or or in its heyday was a tourism spot like there was a while when this was just a village of people who made their living by fishing and trading fish elsewhere on the river and bringing back you know necessary crops then you know probably maybe a hundred years ago or so some nobility passed through and went Gosh, that's an awful nice lake you have here. I've owned this land forever, for generations, never bothered to visit here. But I am now, for whatever reason, maybe a a really motivated third son was like, I'm going to make a big push on taxes, came came here and was like, huh, there's actually a great lake here. I want to build a manor house and this will be my thing and nobody will know about it. And then, of course... As it happens, he invites some friends and the friends notice the lake there is very nice. And suddenly more and more wealthy people move there. And what used to be the quaint boating race that the locals performed got taken over by people who could just pour buckets of money into these beautiful machines. And luckily for the local population there, they made most of those gorgeous boats. And the town kind of exploded around it. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just the homes of fisher people or even the servants who were uh, serving the manor houses. There were a couple smaller, more modest properties that had cropped up around the town and even some apartment style living situations that were mostly empty, except for a groundskeeper who maintained them for the boating season when it popped up. But With that changing, more and more the wealthiest people have receded into their own estates, just leaving a skeleton crew of people to live in those estates and maintain them. And when they come to the town, they are not so much spending money in the town as maybe like a particular tavern might see an increase of business with the people that they've hired to sail their sailboats for them so that they can watch those sailboats uh, move around but not really participate. Uh, Maybe you see a spike in business there, but really it's just we're bringing all our outside toys here and not really spending any money here. And as a result, the town is kind of rotting away from what it used to be. And really, there's no way back to what it used to be. I don't know what you have planned or where most of the action is going to take place, but for flavor, can I pitch like either we can have the manor up on the hill and then the town down here. Could Mm -hmm. I pitch uh, a more like varied geography a little bit? Like, can I pitch a tiny Edinburgh where there is up on the hill, the manor house, but the town itself is on really, there's like, some some uneven broken ground instead of rolling hills so mm-hmm. like there are some houses where you can enter on the ground floor go down two sets of steps 
and then you get out on the ground floor, but it's lower. Yeah, I like that. So like th- these are sort of L.A. style. Uh, some of <laughs> the housing that was put up by people was just like jutting out over these hills and has to be supported by these like wild structures and they don't really make sense, which means that those that aren't owned by nobility who are really invested in returning regularly, some of them have just fallen. And how about this? Whoever built the manor house up on the hill, the good real estate is always previously occupied by some old fort. And so he built the manor house adjacent to or like whatever, the old fortifications from back in the day, whether or not it was still whatever, because then we have the opportunity for like, like old ruins or old tunnels or secret passages or whatever. I love it. I love it. I think there is a graveyard here because for a while when this town was booming, it was very fashionable to be buried here because, you know, if you've ever been to a good convention, there's there's a feeling that you get a, a convention and event creates a place and creates a special feeling in its own. And there are many wealthy people who simply wanted that to be everything that they had. And they asked to be buried here. But they built that burial ground on top of another burial ground. Um, I, like, I think the earth here is very soft and, like, uh, bodies kind of sunk into the mud. But, like, if they had dug, like, two or three two or three feet deeper, uh, they would have found, like, the burial ground that happened for the battle that took place here a while ago. So you've got that. You've got the murders. So there is, like, a a spooky three-dimensional chess of burial grounds and uh, graveyards and whatnot. Uh, so there's just a lot of death that's baked into the landscape. <laughs> so Amara is on the cart and she folds up what is like an encyclopedia but is the brochure to this town and hands <laughs> it to Garlic and goes, it's a very thorough brochure. You should probably keep it. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to get some information from, and they're going to point towards Hennessy. <laughs> Hennessy has still been talking, but like really all that they've been able to hear is the word murder. <laughs> Just mumbled from time to time. And they try to reference okay. the encyclopedia, uh, the, the, the brochure. Question, <laughs> Let me tell you about the murder that took place. What murder? Oh no, 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 I can't keep up. <laughs> oh <laughs> stressful ride. And and actually I love this brochure, like <laughs> the, the book, because if this race was going on for a long time, of course somebody would have written some pandering like nobody would have been like, oh, let me write the history of the races, like the last 15 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And some some nobleman features very prominently. And of course, that became <laughs> like the promo thing that they... It's a lot of ads yeah, in there. Yeah, ghost tour like, ads uh, visages <laughs> of some of the manor owners. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Flanderson's fine boat wax. <laughs> <laughs> the best boat wax for your hull. It's like page 12. <laughs> but as you get up the hill and the manor kind of 
now rolls into relief. Like you, you saw it from far away before, and uh, you can see that like there's just a lot of gothic influence on the construction of this thing. It's all towers and points. It, it, it is as if the architect was like trying to make it be as looming and intimidating as possible. And with the disrepair that it has fallen into, that really underscores everything. Uh, You can see that the paint is cracked in places. There aren't exactly broken windows, but it is everything that can really happen to a house before windows start to break, uh, where you can say, gosh, they're really letting this place go. I I think there are plenty of vines that are creeping up the side of it, and they make the house look more unhealthy, but the vines also look unhealthy themselves. Everything about this place looks degraded and mistreated. And because you're going up this winding path that moves back and forth across the hill, just new details slowly roll into view as you ascend. And what sounded like at first a fun stay in the manor house becomes more and more an unpleasant reality as time draws forth. Eventually, you get up in front of the gates of this place which have overgrowth pretty much everywhere except uh, the areas where the gates would, I think, roll open uh, across this like kind of quaint-looking carriage roundabout. And there is a, a tree that is appointed in front of it that has been dead for quite some time and just has many angry, bitter, jutting branches that confront you with their illness as you finally get in full relief of this manor house. Of, I, I, I don't Hey, listeners, I'm going to be real with you. I don't remember if we named the manor house or not. I know this is Lady Samista's manor <laughs> house. I would have written it down. Uh, but the, the rules to the game have changed a little bit since uh, we last convened. <laughs> a lot has happened. So, yes, you, you are finally in front of this place. And for whatever reason, it, it feels colder up here. The wind is howling, but somehow not blowing your hair or debris about. Uh, everything about the atmosphere here is just ooh, making the hairs of the back of your neck stand up. And it is not being helped by uh, the grumbling, uh, the constant grumbling about, and then he slayed the horses, drowning them one by one. What? (laughs) I don't know if that was in the brochure. Chet puts earmuffs over Terrence's ears. (laughs) As, As we go, Volley is unabashedly like cheerful about everything <laughs> and he's like because he's like he's like ah I'm, I'm out of school like this seems like a cool place like anywhere is better than back home and and I'm like and, and I'm pointing things out and I'm like oh do you see the those two towers there that's like a darker stone that's obviously come from the old chapel that had fallen apart over there by the crypts. You can tell, like, they disassembled that. It had probably fallen down. And so, like, but all the things he's pointing out, it's like, oh, 
that's probably from the old mausoleum. They built the house out of that. Um, <laughs> and it's just, he's like, what an interesting, like, hey, look at a thing that I noticed about this architecture. How wet are Vali's socks, having walked in this uh, very damp? I, I would like to say, Vali, I would like to propose, has the best boots of anyone here. Okay. Because Vali is used to you know doing an honest day's work, and he does not leave without some solid footwear. And they are very, very working boots. Yeah, I have to agree with that because, Liz, you would have to spend a lot of time convincing me that Chet wears shoes at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, flip-flops, yeah. mostly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I don't know what you're talking about. It gets all that fungus out of there. I imagine oh, no. Amara has, like, the best dance slippers. Or oh no! Like, this I'm in a costume. That's right. I have safari boots. Yeah. Oh my gosh! That's right. You were you, you had safaried up, right? Yeah. So I have like riding boots on, <laughs> like like jodhpurs and knee high riding oh, boots. I love it. Oh boy. Beige. Wow. <laughs> Garlic has like socks, but they are shoes. They just look like socks. <laughs> like Uggs. Yeah, simply cannot like have any sort of support. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I really like garlic wearing Uggs uh, or an Ugg-like thing because it's not fashionable. Like, I love the choice of like, hey, other people don't think this looks good. Uh, it's not really practical, but I do like this. Keeps my feet warm. It's very important when you're reading books. <laughs> I guess you're like, you're choosing your footwear based on what's great to walk around the archives in. And it's like, mm. you know, you're going to walk a little Happy bit, socks. but mostly you're going to just squirrel some books away into a reading hole. And, and that's your day. <laughs> so those are good reading shoes. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, you are now in front of this manor house and the two steps from glue looking animal. And I do use that term generously that has been pulling the cart up the hill has come to a stop. And you are now able to take this place in, in in full relief as it looks over the town. And you can probably see not too far from here, uh, the lake is is often in the other direction. Oh, maybe from from up on top, on the top of this hill, you can see there's the the almost like a little bay Mm. that makes this nice calm sailing lake. But Marrow Creek is close to the manor up here, but the manor is up high. So Marrow Creek runs around and it is up here and it's wet, but then there's a waterfall, waterfall that goes down into, uh, into the, the, that little bay that's attached to the river that we came up. I like that. You just gotta, gotta have a waterfall. And Pat, I gotta be honest. I love you calling it Marrow Creek, uh, because we did decide it's Oak Marrow Creek, but I kind of love that it originally was called Marrow Creek because of all of the bones that would float in the water after the battles <laughs> here. And once it became kind of a nobility like play spot, they're like, we're going to call it Oak Marrow. Uh, <laughs> just, just, we, we planted some trees next to it. And um, it's, a, it's, about, it's about the inside of the tree, not about the bones. <laughs> Now it's classy. So now yeah, it's oh, fine. So that's Bring this your tree in the little roundabout. It is an oak tree that died because the soil here awesome. is not great for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this place. And I also am afraid of it. <laughs> Very afraid of it. 
Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. We're getting things started with a radvertisement, and this one comes to us from the good folks at World Builders. For those that don't know, World Builders is the charity founded by friend of the show, Patrick Rothfuss, that dedicates itself to running fundraising drives for other charities. Uh, but they don't have a current drive that they're doing. They just wanted me to take some time to thank all of you for supporting their mid-year Geeks Doing Good Indiegogo campaign. The mid-year Geeks Doing Good drive helps World Builders keep the lights on. While most of the time they support themselves by running distribution for merchandise for small-time creators like me and big-time creators like Jim Butcher, they run this drive every year to help cover the cost of staff, office space, and all the other things that go into running a charity. And according to World Builders Executive Director Gray Miller, this is one of their best years on record. And a big part of that was one-shot heroes coming out and supporting these Skyjacks merchandise. Now, if you missed the Geeks Doing Good fundraiser this year, don't worry. All the cool merch they created for the drive that's left over will be in the World Builders marketplace soon. And that includes Skyjack stuff. So you still have a chance to get the Uhuru Jolly Roger pin, t-shirt, or pick up the handkerchief that Travis got in Nordia, which also works as a stealthy but beautiful Illimat board. So thanks again, heroes, for supporting a good cause. And thanks to the good folks at World Builders for supporting the show this week. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Ray Ellen D'Onofrio, thank you so much. Lucian Brinkley, thank you. Lloyd, thank you very much. Akemi Manoa, thank you. Ya boy, thank you very much. Ryan Mulder, thank you. Sydney Wood, thank you so much. Cheryl, thank you. Chris Fennessy, thank you very much. Matthew Elmsley, thank you. And Chris Reeves, thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Without you, this show would not be possible. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. So Hennessy gets off of the cart and kind of unceremoniously just starts tossing some of the luggage off the back, like in front of the house, uh, grumbling as he goes. <laughs> Oh, I absolutely jump in as he picks up my suitcase. I'm like, no! <laughs> Don't do that. Just hand it to me gently, please. With that, like, talking to Hennessy is a little bit like talking to the animal that Hennessy has pulling the cart. And, like, <laughs> you know you said words to it, and, and, and he knows you said words to him, but... Uh... Down. Put <laughs> down. And I point at him and I point at the ground gently he like bends down halfway and kind of drops it <laughs> like you can tell that that was his attempt at following your command <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right you had one of those huge traveling trunks mm -hmm. with all your yeah he was really heaving under the weight of that object <laughs> Hennessy what's the standard tip here Murders and then. <laughs> well, I ain't gonna murder you, so I'm gonna give you five. You about a murder. Five jots? Five? Five jots? He tries to play it cool. What I think happens is he's wearing a hairpiece and that literally jumps <laughs> off of his head as you say five jots. <laughs> 
like his face doesn't show anything, but he did. He his hair did explode off of his head, and <laughs> yeah, like he'll just hold his hand out uh, for, for that uh, before he begins the hard work of, of, of finishing un- unloading the cart. I want to know who's bag has something metal inside it uh you know i'm thinking like something iron or or, or copper that's inside it that is the last bag to leave this cart uh i do have my adventurer's pack which probably has like iron iron spikes and crampons and and what to, whatnot. Uh, that's really good. So you can see Hennessy is reaching towards the back of the cart and kind of struggling under the weight of, of this thing to pull it off. Like he'll, he'll give it a pull and it kind of drags it halfway. A pull and drags it a little bit more. And then he like prepares himself to really unload the cart, gets a firm grip on it, and he starts to pull. And then sort of smoothly and quickly, as though the object starts moving on its own, it moves across his body and then flies out of his hands and moves towards the house. And I think will actually break a window of the house as it slams through the wall. If anybody has any uh, metal objects on them, those are going to get pulled forward towards the house and you will have to really use a bit of strength to to stop them from flying out of your hand. Garlic, I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking of your book belt that has to have some buckles. Yeah! Do I go flying? It's all buckles. There's like <laughs> these six buckles. Well, from what I remember, Garlic, Garlic is is kind of a, a stout, uh, pudgy little librarian type. Uh, so I think yeah. they do get pulled a little bit. No. <laughs> Maybe off balance. Help. Help. Uh, Chet grabs Ghosts. Garlic by the foot <laughs> as they're getting pulled. <laughs> no. Oh, no. I, I say be gone, ghosts. <laughs> Let my friend go. Be gone. I think as Chet says that, like whatever kind of thing that was filling the atmosphere of the air dissipates. And all of a sudden, like whatever is pulling on you, you feel stop. And then there is just the light howling of the wind as the wheels of the cart begin to squeak and crunch back to life as Hennessy makes the trip back down these winding pathway that leads up to the manor house. Yeah, I like how we're seeing that and we turn around to ask him a question and he's already heading down the path. <laughs> I stumble and after chasing my luggage, which got pulled probably into the house. Uh, maybe maybe not into the house. Like I think uh, because it was getting pulled by Hennessy, uh, I, I think Volley's little adventurer's kit managed to fly a little bit more. Everybody else's stuff was like moved towards the house, but like okay. got dragged across the ground. This was like somebody heaving an object that for some reason lost a lot of its weight very quickly and was really throwing his back into it. And so that momentum just kind of carried it sailing into the house with a smash. Volley is delighted. Volley, <laughs> Volley looks around and is like, guys, there's a spirit here. There's some sort of like a demon. There's like a specter or a poltergeist. 
they want to murder me. Absolutely. That's what everything does here is murder. And like <laughs> garlic is just splayed out on the ground. A couple of tears are like squeezed out of their eyes. I don't want to get murdered here. Not, I just no. This is like this is um uh, this is obviously like there's a there's a spirit here. There's a ghost. Like we can we can figure this out. I've never seen anything like this. This is guys. This is it. This is hero stuff. You know. That's- Okay, uh, hero. I would say I would agree with you, but I would say ninety nine percent of those stories end with the hero being punished for his hubris. So I think I'm gonna go back to the boat because <laughs> all this is I don't no I want it no thank you and no thank you. If anyone wants to go back to the boat, as raise your you hand. Begin that uh, as as you raise your hand and like start turning back. Uh, you hear a voice roll across the courtyard in front of the house. Why have you come to this place? Ah! Ah! Oh! Be gone, spirit! As I said. And you can see standing in the front doorway, there is kind of uh, the withered specter of a man who is wearing definitely out of fashion uh, servant's clothing that is impeccably worn and put on, but is definitely shabby. It's like somebody took a lot of care and attention to put on a threadbare thing that was once very nice. He's got like this, I I think, very distinct and striking face with very exaggerated features and huge bushy eyebrows. Um, we were invited I have not received word of an invitation for many years. It was a long time ago, and we just decided to stop in and see the place. He walks over, uh, kind of dragging behind him the adventurer's kit uh, that was given to him. I assume your invitation came at the behest of Lady Samista. Yeah. Very good. Whose bag, may I ask, is this? Volley goes up like, oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, And just like shoulders it. Traditionally, we expect to receive packages through the door. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I like this place. (laughs) Um, So can we come in? Any guests of Lady Samista are welcome here. And he makes his way over to the door and it seems with effort, like pushes it open. These are, you know, massive imposing doors and it creaks the entire time. Welcome to Marrow House. You don't need to call it that. Guys, we'll call it really. We're in. This is the first step of our adventure. Is this a vacation? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then we're going to wrap it up and head right back. It'll be great. (laughs) Every part of this. Exactly. 36 hours of vacation, and then I have to go back and take my exams. (laughs) Okay. Toe to tip. I don't care for this. (laughs) Chet, it's just like back home, but different. That's, you could say that of any place. (laughs) Literally anything is like the thing you were having before, except it's different. We're on vacation. This is, look around. This is a vacation house. 
stay? I mean, at least leave Terrence. Terrence needs this. Look, like, they're not afraid. They need this. Uh, Terrence, uh, you can see, like, had bent down to try and nibble at some of the, the dry and withered grass that is in front of this place. Sniffs at it a little bit and snorts and then kicks at it. <laughs> Fine. But only because I want to know who this scary guy's name is. What's your name? Damn you, Liz. Checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> your silence yeah, speaks Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just name a guy. It's so easy. You knew this character <laughs> was going to be a character, but you just called him the butler because you're a fool. <laughs> you're a fool. And you could have taken the time to name him in advance, and you didn't. I'm going to... I'm going to call you if you don't answer in five seconds. I'm going to call you Charlie the zombie. Charlie the zombie going once. Charlie the zombie going twice. Charlie the zombie going three times. Ramblesworth. Ramblesworth is good. I can accept Ramblesworth. Charlie Ramblesworth. (laughs) Charlie Ramblesworth. I am Charles Ramblesworth, head butler of Marrow House. Okay, zombie. And is inside like dark and dusty, or is it stuff in uh, under dust covers? Or, Ooh, or I like the idea of a lot of it being under dust covers. Like you, you, you enter the home, and the thing about you know th- this is a gothic place, so windows are a factor, and light does get in, but it feels like it's only letting in the right sort of light to create shadows. <laughs> and uh, there are kind of uh, because air is now circulating through the house through these massive doors being opened, it is pushing about these sheets that are covering various bits of furniture and paintings, protecting them for the return of a family that it seems has not been here in, in some time. I've already forgotten his name. I'll go over to Chuck. It's Ramblesworth. Um, <laughs> Uh, Charles Ramblesworth. I highlighted that name in red. Uh, That's his middle name. We don't need to say that unless he's in trouble. (laughs) I'll I'll sort of sidle up to him and I say, I'm sorry that we've shown up sort of without sending word ahead. If and, And this is sort of like an aside, like somebody who understands like Volley's a little bit working class. Mm-hmm. So like he he there were servants at his house, but they were more like farmhands instead of like upstairs, downstairs. So he's actually a little uncomfortable. Um, it's not like, why isn't, why isn't my bath ready? It's like, gosh, those buckets of water here, let me help you carry them. <laughs> uh, and so he's like, I'm sorry, we, we didn't send word ahead. If you'd be willing to uh, just show us to some rooms, I will go take a, care of uh, the horse. With that, like, he looks to you. Looking at him is kind of looking at a figure from from a painting uh, where the painter didn't quite know what they were doing. And so, like, he, he's just giving you this, like, very kind of striking thing that, that, that that's almost unreadable. Very good. And he'll lead each of you to the various rooms that you'll be staying in. As he does it, I, I think perhaps some of the dust covers of paintings and whatnot are rigged up so that they can be 
easily pulled aside as as you go. So like he'll open a room and then within a, a few minutes, like he'll have pulled some cords and whatnot and revealed uh, the paintings that are around this place. And there are these massive kind of I, you know, Pat, I, I really don't know what uh, the stylistic, the artistic technology uh, that is available in this world. Uh, I, I picture we that some things might have been around Renaissance level impressionism for a while. Uh, so these paintings I'm picturing are these like scenes of people playing recreational sports together. So imagine like a painting, like kind of like the night watch other like big scenic paintings with, with lots of figures in movement, but it's like people playing volleyball or water polo. Oh, given that the manor was around for about a hundred years and then it's fallen into disrepair in the last, I don't know, 30 or however many, it could be that like as different people have had like redecorated or come in, parts of it might have been updated more recently. So everyone's room could have like a different like time. Like so everybody could name like what's in their room. Yeah. Like what what is what is the the style like uh, like I, I could say probably volleys. I think we would come to it later, but it would actually be like an older room where instead of like a nice oil painting, there's a tapestry <laughs> um, uh, because it's against a stone wall. And that's how you didn't freeze to death in the winter is because you had tapestries against the stone yeah, walls. I think everybody might have uh, because it is a vacation home. And I, I am remembering I did have some aunts who retired to Cape Cod and they loved to keep themed rooms in their home. Oh, <laughs> themed. So please tell me, what is the theme of the room that you'll be staying in? Uh, everyone, just when their characters are dropped off by Charles Ramblesworth, what is what is your room theme? I think Garlic ended up with the most odd job room in the sense that theirs was the Tinker Room. Mm. Um, and if memory serves, uh, lots of bright colors, uh, maybe like the bed is like a patchwork quilt. Um, it's like the whole room is just filled with things, odds and ends that have been bought at Tinker's. Like nothing matches. There's four different vases in a row, but they're all different colors, different shapes. Um, like it's some are yellow and green next to each other. Like it's, it's horrendous, <laughs> but garlic is in love because this, this room speaks. I to them. love some eccentric aunt being like every year at the festival, I buy a new thing from the tinker and I put it in this room. <laughs> These are my bits like and my little bulldog porcelain. This is not uh, uh, auntie, auntie Nina's like old, old room that no one has dared redecorate. Yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> Garlic loves it. I think I'm going to walk by a room that I want, which is, you know, it's got beautiful four-poster bed, and it has roses and rose decorations. And But instead, I get the nautical masculine-themed one. <laughs> so you walk past one that you see through a doorway, and it's beautiful, <laughs> yeah. but instead he puts you in this other one? Yeah. And so it's like blue and white, very like New England, and it's like... One giant painting of a sailboat. Oh, everything wow. else is like all nautical knots. 
And just like ropes and barrels and and I lose ropes everywhere. <laughs> yes, all the cupboards have to be opened with a wheel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or a wheel it's or something. <laughs> I, I love the idea that the. The, the painting door. that you you have is like the oil painting uh, portrait equivalent of like a caricature drawing where it is whatever Lord used to like to stay in this house, but like dramatically posed uh, on the helm of a ship. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> of course. You know, like they used to have uh, people uh, like uh, the nobility used to love pretend to be shepherds for a while. <laughs> And so, like, oh, yeah, they would go out and they would have, like, they would pretend to be farmers or shepherds for an afternoon. And there would be, like, a real shepherd who would, like, hang around and make sure that sheep didn't fucking die <laughs> off a cliff. Um, so it could be, like, this is a noble who's, like, obviously I am the sailor. And this is his, it's like the Chuck E. Cheese version of, like, a kid's room. But it's all sailor-themed to make yeah. this this nobleman this, happy. This is yeah, Vargas Samista. Former patriarch of the Samista family who was born in and died in this very room. You are deeply fortunate being the personal guest of the Samista family. I have decided to choose this room for you specifically. Vargas truly loved this place with all his heart. Um, Thank you. It's rusty. <laughs> <laughs> and Amara, uh, what is your your current level of cleverness? Cleverness is two. So give me a flip. All right. Uh, heads. Heads. Excellent. So you notice in this room and, you know, there are a lot of different uh, tchotchkes and, and nautical thing uh, themed things around this room. But included in this room is a massive fireplace. And on that fireplace, there is a mantle uh, that, you know, has candelabras and things, uh, but a lot of pieces kind of surrounding an empty space that would be held square in the middle of the mantle, positioned in a way that you would be able able to see it from the beautiful four-post bed that is on the opposite side of the room. Is the butler still there? Yeah, the butler is still there. Just just kind of like talking about Vargas like in, in vague rambling terms. That's great. Um, something's missing. This room is fantastic. Um, something's missing. What was supposed to go there? And I point Ah, uh, yes. The Oak Barrel Cup, once the Samista family's pride and joy. Well, what happened? Mm, well, for a long time, in the younger days... They lost! <laughs> <laughs> Freaking lost, didn't they? Uh, yeah, he'll sigh and go, Yes, we did hold it in this household for a very long time, winning it year after year, but... The competition slowly changed, and Vargas Samista was determined to win it back as that cup had been his childhood companion well past his adolescence into his early adulthood. But sadly, he had to spend the final days and years of his life staring at an empty place on his mantel place where the cup should have been. So who won it last? 
It passed between family and family as the competition changed. And when okay, he says, watch your face get like that. <laughs> yeah, when he says that, it's like it, you can hear what he's really saying is grew defaced. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this is um, a fantastic room. Thank you. Don't thank me. Thank Vargas. And he gestures over to a transparent <laughs> urn that has ashes in it. No. <laughs> Why is it? You mean it's transparent? Tra- you mean a glass? You mean it's I glass? I mean it's glass. <laughs> oh, I Lord. mean it's glass. Hey, it's definitely shaped like Vargas's bust, too. Oh, oh. Oh, that's so weird. No, no, Vargas, leave oh. in this room. <laughs> no, hold on. Would it, hey. Oh, his bust is so much worse than him making a model <laughs> of the cup and putting his ashes in it. Um, hey, hey, Amara. Yeah? I hope your bags get here soon because it looks like this room already carries a lot of baggage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Terrence up top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Terrence, Terrence lifts a hoof, uh, and because the horse is just so massive, and for some reason inside this house, uh, <laughs> he is easily able to to slap your hand. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry, we'll be back with more from the Kingkiller Chronicle next week. In the meantime, why not check out one of the other great shows on the One Shot Network? As always, we end One Shot with a call to action. And this week, I'd like you to call and support Bill H.R. 4 to restore federal protections against voter suppression. This bill would restore federal oversight to voting law changes. Without oversight, states can make disastrous changes that cut millions of voters off of rolls, and make it extremely difficult for marginalized voters to show up at the polls. In the past few years, we've seen ample evidence that oversight is a necessary thing. Thankfully, this bill has already passed the House, but it will have a rough battle in the Senate. So, take some time and contact your representatives to let them know that you support this bill. And if you're having trouble getting started, you can always head to one of my favorite websites, fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, you can find issue summaries for issues like this one, along with contact information for your representatives and a script to read while you're on the phone to help you get your point across. Calling is quick, and it can make a huge difference on key issues. Thanks, heroes.